Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark and coming up on today's episode, you're not just getting the one standard guest. This time round, I've got two guests for you all. So I'm joined today by director Bill Holderman and producer Erin Sims. Now these two have just released a brand new film called Book Club and this is actually Bill's debut as a director. Now when most people are starting to make a name for themselves in the industry and do their first kind of production or their first film or their first TV or their first short, they don't usually get to work on a budget of 10 million and Bill's absolutely knocked it out of the park with this film. He's got to direct Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda and one of my favourite actors in the business, Richard Dreyfus. So to have all this under your belt for your first release can only mean you're going to go on to absolutely huge things. So I'm thrilled that they're both joining me on today's episode. Now before we get into today's interview, what I would like to do is just talk a little bit more about the last episode. So on episode 41, I was joined by Dustin Kensrue from the band Frice. Now hopefully by the time you heard that interview, you would have checked out the new album Palms, because for me it's easily the album of the year. I think My Soul is the best song of the year. Frice are one of my favourite bands of all time, probably my favourite most listened to band, and that interview took about a year to happen. Now what completely blew me away about this interview is I always thought it would do well because I know how much respect and how much love Frice get in the music industry but I was absolutely blown away because as it stands right now it's my most popular downloaded episode I've ever released in nearly two years of doing this podcast. It's beat the likes of Mads Mikkelsen, Sir Anthony Hopkins, Corey Feldman, Kevin Smith so it's absolutely blown my mind and I just want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen I've had so many comments, so many emails, so many people that have now gone and checked out Frice. A lot of my close friends have now said, oh, I never really got it, but now I've listened. I I completely understand why you love them and bang on about them so much. So it's been my my favourite episode to date, and I just want to say thanks again to everyone. So as I said today at the start of this episode, I am going to be joined by two guests today. So here's my interview with Bill Holderman and producer Erin Sims. So my question that goes to both of you today um, is how did your careers start out? What was it that made you want to get into the film industry? You know, I started out really interested. I actually worked for a professor at the uh, university that I went to, or that I went to and his son was a writer um, for the TV show Friends. And this is in the mid-90s when that show was at its peak. And I was kind of flabbergasted that you could make a career out of that I come from a, a long line of lawyers and, you know, the creative fields were never really, they, they always felt out of reach or something that didn't really exist. And so when I met this guy and realized, oh my gosh, like you can have a whole life just, you know, writing my favorite characters, that's pretty great. And so I moved to Hollywood with a bunch of friends and then started at the bottom as an assistant and always just kept writing and wrote my way up the ladder. And for me, I started as an actress in Canada, in Montreal, where I'm from. So I started doing um, theater and being in TV shows from when I was about 14 on. And I ended up doing that for a long time until I realized I didn't really want to be an actress anymore, which led me to many, many years of having no idea what I should do and then realizing, no, I actually really still love that industry. I just don't want to be in front of the camera. So. I started doing development in Canada and then moved across the country to Vancouver and uh, was 34 and started just started at the bottom and 
became a director's assistant and got the job to be Robert Redford's assistant, which is where I met Bill, who was running that company, and I got a job to be a development executive, and I learned a ton about script and worked about, worked on story and with writers and with Bill, obviously, being a writer. And then we had the idea for book club and decided to write one ourselves. What Erin left out is she was a Power Ranger somewhere in that Yeah, briefly. In that mix. You can't leave out that part, you know what I mean? That's that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Critical. Critical, critical information, yeah. So how long have you two actually known each other then? We met in 2011. Yeah, yeah, we met professionally. And then did you kind of click straight away? Were you kind of on the same page with your discussions and kind of was the kind of chemistry there where you thought, this is someone I want to work with and I can see us working and having a good future together? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that... Um, was pretty clear was just a shared sensibility and sense of humor and the types of movies that we each liked. Um, there was a tremendous amount of overlap. And so, you know, again, in this business, when you find someone that you share those sort of those qualities and you can really like appreciate their point of view, um, it's, it's pretty special and you try to but it was also a build on that. You know, it's everything's timing. I had worked for two other directors before that, and you know, didn't feel anything in particular beyond just doing the contract job. And you know, you just land in the right place at the right time. I was super motivated to be something more than assistant at that point. Um, they needed a development person. It was just sort of meant meant to be. So uh, there was a little bit of luck involved. I think there always has to be, doesn't there? Yeah, well, I guess luck is just is not really a thing. It's show, showing up with a strong intention and actually following through with what you want, you know? Luck is the residue of design. Someone said that. Yeah. I like it. So you just mentioned then that you kind of sat down together and came up with this idea of the book club. What was it? Was it a couple of ideas thrown down where you were brainstorming or was it? how did this start? No, definitely <laughs> it, not. It started with um, one... Uh, infamous day where I, right before Mother's Day in 2012, and I had the bright idea of sending my mother the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy for uh, to her for Mother's Day, and Erin and I were working together at the time, and she caught me FedExing the Fifty Shades trilogy to my mother and thought that that was insane, um, and then we talked about that, and then she sent it to her mom and her stepmom, and that was also insane, and so then we, we had these, you know our various mothers out there in the world with these books in hand and Aaron came in the next day and said, you know, what if that's actually the movie? And uh, and I'm pretty sure we opened the laptop immediately and just started started crafting it. Yeah, the, the interesting or not interesting thing is that we were not trying to come up with ideas for a movie. We, we had full-time jobs and were producing and developing a bunch of projects and we both were just Best Exotic Marigold had come out recently, which we loved, and we just kind of were like, we were just thinking in that space, just generally, and the Fifty Shades thing happened with his mother, and yeah, it just came in the next morning, I was like, what about a book club with, you know, women in their 60s, and he immediately just said, yes, <laughs> and I had never written anything in my life, so it's not like this was a plan for me, we just started writing. Although, she's being humble, because on a movie that we were about to go make, called The Walk in the Woods, which I had rewritten, um, and we were going to go off to produce, uh, Aaron and I sat and worked on the development of that script and sort of broke down the story, and um, and so, you know, her development chops were incredibly strong, um, 
but I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to write, a, I need to write my own script. That, that wasn't my thought, but it's just the idea took us over. Yeah. It's very rare to see women of this certain age kind of um, depicted as sexual beings on film. Um, it's even rarer to see that the elements of the kind of raunchy comedies in there as well. Was this something that you wanted to prioritize when you were kind of writing the script? I mean, I definitely think it was inspired because of sort of the genesis of the idea. It was inspired by, um, you know, our mothers and they're at a certain age and, you know, I think um, society relegates this demographic to, um, you know, sort of sets them out to pasture when it comes to relationships and life beyond what we all deem is acceptable and I think the reality is they do they're out there dating and having relationships and navigating those waters the same as people in their 20s 30s 40s and 50s and I think um, for us it was really important to not then shy away from that idea or run from that age group I think it's that's what inspired it and we fought really hard in the casting process to to make sure that we could you know cast the movie at the age that we envisioned the characters so what was it like then when you were doing the casting and you finally got Jane and Diane, who are two of the best fucking actresses in the world right now, both involved? Yeah. It must and be like we, a dream. No. We wrote the movie for Diane. We were obsessed with Diane Keaton. We are obsessed with Something's Gotta Give. We love these kinds of movies. We specifically wrote it for her with her voice. And I mean, to actually... You know, we wrote the movie before the books came up, before the movies came out when they were just books. This was just an idea and and us writing our favorite actresses into the movie just together, not ever really thinking this could actually happen. But it was always Diane. It was never anybody else. And I've said it many times, it's true. I never thought past Diane Keaton, so I really don't know what would have happened had she not said yes. But when she read the script... Thankfully, Bill, Bill sort of had a relationship with her agent, so was able to get her agent to read it. And thank God the agent liked it and passed it on to Diane. And, and Diane immediately was like, well, I can see that you guys wrote this for me. She, she, re- she recognized herself strongly in, in the script. And when she said yes, that was miraculous. Um, yeah, she was the first one in. And, you know, when you get Diane to sign on that's a pretty helpful thing when you start going out to the rest of the cast. Yeah, so, and then Jane Fonda, I had had uh, produced a movie called Our Souls at Night, and uh, so I had Jane Fonda's email, and uh, I just sent her the script by email and said, Diane Keaton's in this movie, she really wants you. Diane, I genuinely really wanted Jane in it. We also wrote the movie for Jane Fonda. We, the characters were Diane and Jane on the script. Jane asked us to change her name when we started filming. But it's pretty crazy. It's also crazy because nobody really believed in the movie. And then it started to come together like this. We always believed. We knew what it was. We we never wavered from that commitment. But it's, it's great to actually have those actresses feel the same way that you do. And they were as excited as we were throughout the whole process. You must have both been really relieved when they both agreed, considering you wrote it for them both. Otherwise, you must have been kind of starting from scratch again. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's hard to go back in time and think about the sort of mental state, but I think we were relieved and then, you know, even to this day, I mean, we're still kind of like in shock that 
actually came to fruition? It was, the, the casting process was about as stressful. I mean, when you send somebody a script and you wait to hear that response, I mean, that is a particular kind of torture that <laughs> you have to experience to understand. That's the great thing about writing. It's, there's so many different layers of torture. It's Dante's <laughs> Inferno of torture for writers. And you keep on putting yourself through it time and time again, and you're never going to stop. Yeah, exactly. 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 Book Club will always be special because it was it was a labor of love. We weren't writing it with any... We weren't thinking about going to make it. We were just excited to write a script. And, and I don't think that you can... I think that can really only happen the first time. Now, you know, now people are going to offer us jobs or we're, we're expected to write a next one. It's just... You can never get that pure feeling except for the first time, I think. I was really charmed by the performance of Candice and especially Richard Dreyfus, who's one of my favourite actors. My favourite film of all time is Jaws, so to see him again on the screen, the chemistry between those two was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. First of all, Candice blew everyone away. She was unbelievable in the movie. She's such... She's so funny. She's so incredible. Her comedic timing is out of control. And then Dreyfus shows up and just blows your mind. I mean, he was there for one day. He is, his acting is like, it's out of control. And Dreyfus wants to be in a sequel, if there is one. So we're pretty excited about that. He made sure to let us know that he thinks George needs to come back. I've really missed him on the screen. So to bring him back and see him in such a good role, it was, it was so good. I'm, I've, I've really missed him on the big screen. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those actors that, you know, he's, he's so talented. I mean, there's just, you know, he's just had so much just raw talent. And it's, it's fun that he was willing to come in for a day and, and play with, um, play with Candace and, and have a good time. And he's, you know, you see it on screen. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of, of chemistry between those two. And it was a lot of fun. And they have the best moment in the movie. Apparently we have a Jaws reference in our movie. What it is? I do. What is it? We're going to need a bigger back seat. Instead oh. of we're going to need a bigger boat. Nice. Yeah. Did you catch the Jaws reference? I did, and that was a big plus for me. Yeah. Okay, good. So what was it then like then? So obviously this is, Bill, your, uh, believe me, uh, um, your first kind of major directing job? Yeah, uh, major or any kind of directing job. But yeah, it was my first. So was there a moment um, when you were both kind of in the room and you were kind of sat back and watched these four amazing legends kind of shoot in front of you because that just must be mind-blowing to try and kind of digest yeah it really is i mean the thing that's interesting is in the sort of throes of battle of production you have to move so quickly and you're so focused and you you're trying to make your day and you also want to make sure you're getting everything that you envision and executing on your plan um and there's just so many moving pieces and so there's not a lot of time luckily to look at the surroundings and panic um but in hindsight i mean it is what it was such a gift every day to to work with them and watch them and learn from them and i think you know one of the things that um again you know we we kind of got lucky on is we cast the movie in a way and the four lead actresses that we ended up with the chemistry that they had together they became really good friends and that. Um, chemistry is something that I think you just can't duplicate. Um, this would have been a nightmare if it hadn't happened. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was great. And so they were having a great time. Um, and so we were really, you know, for me, it was really about protecting the space and letting them, you know, be as 
real and authentic and have as much fun as they were having um, off screen. And I think, uh, you know, we're really proud of, of that and really proud of the performances. But he also had me as the producer, you know, behind the monitor, taking it all in the way that you are referencing. I was, every minute of every day, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this is really unbelievable. And I think the crew all felt the exact same way. We all were like, how did this happen? This is unbelievable. And I cried probably every single day of happiness. I mean, when you look at most people's debuts, they're low budget, they're with no stars, and that's kind of the goal to get to. Now that you've both got this one under your belt and it's released and it's out there, have you now kind of got this taste to do more? Or have you kind of, has it put you off? Or does it, how's it kind of left you feeling? Um, no, yeah, I mean, it definitely did not put us off at all. I mean, I think it's, you know, the goal is to go and keep making movies and learn from the things you know we the way we see the movie i mean it was we're so proud of it and happy with it but there were definitely things that we'd love to do um slightly differently and and you know better and and keep growing but you know the thing that it really gave a taste for is working with great actors and on and for us on material that we really you know we really are connected to and inspired by and i think that combination you just you want to replicate that you want to work with people that inspire you every day and we had a crew on this movie and a cast on this movie that was so special and so i say the goal is to just try to always work with that level of people yeah we've also set the bar extremely high so we'll see how we if we can maintain or somehow manage to go higher which i don't know if you can but uh, i mean in terms of actors uh but what will be interesting is because it was our first movie Bill had to prove himself um, every day, and it would be cool to see if on the next one the actors are will give themselves over even more because they feel that now Bill has, has proven that he knows what he's doing, and that will be that will be interesting. They, although I mean, I must say, like <clears throat> the one thing that I was so impressed with in terms of their professionality is in pre-production after we talked through the script and gotten all sort of on the same page and really connected. I mean, the actors were so giving um, and so respectful every day on set. And it was really, that was one of those things that as a first timer, you just don't know how hard you're going to have to fight on set. And the great thing was that they were um, really, really sort of receptive and open and and wanting um, direction, which was really fun. And what was the kind of biggest learning experience for you both individually on set? Was there something now that you would change dramatically or is there something that you've learned about yourself while directing and producing or what's the biggest lesson you've learned? Biggest lesson for me, and it's not a lesson that I didn't already know, but it just got really solidified is, you know, make sure that um, you have the time and resources that the script requires. You know, we ended up shooting this movie in 33 days, um, which is really fast for the amount of dialogue. And also um, with some really, really tough financial restraints. And I think, uh, you know, the hope on the next one is to just always have a plan that everyone's on the same page and, and makes sense. And I think, you know, hopefully we will uh, we'll continue to, to be able to make movies and <clears throat> and work with the people that we want to work with. And for me, I mean, it just reinforced what I've always believed, and that it's all about 
it's all about that. If you work that script, uh, you go in every day to shoot a movie, and you don't. There's, there's a level of things that you don't have to worry about anymore, and you can actually just have the actors come in and enjoy themselves, and really just enjoy the process of shooting those scenes. It's it's all it's all down to the script. So. And my final question for you both is. A lot of people that listen to the podcast are people that are wanting to get into the business, are people that want to become directors or actors or producers. What advice would you give to those people? Um, you know, I think Aaron just commented on it, but I think, you know, particularly for writers and directors, the amount of time and effort and focus in the writing process and refining process and rewriting process is so critical. And you really want to have your script as strong as possible when you start going out to cast. You really do only get one chance when you go to cast, and it's, you know, to make that first impression. Um, and so really working hard to refine it is critical. And, you know, and the other thing is, like, you got to believe in what you're doing because the truth is, particularly as people breaking in and first-timers, it's like you're going to get challenged uh, daily in terms of, of why you're doing this, what you're doing, and you better really believe in it and you better have good answers because um, this is a business that is, there's a lot of people coming in behind you and you just, you have to be passionate and it has to be authentic. Yeah. I mean, the, the business has changed dramatically in the last few years. Things, things can happen really fast for people, you know. You can go to Sundance and have a small indie hit and next thing you know you're, you're directing Iron Man, so it's a, it's a different. Uh, the land has shifted a lot, but I still maintain that. Do do not have an ego. Do anything. Be an assistant. Be a director's assistant. Be a writer's assistant. Be a PA. Be absolutely anything to be near the right people, and don't you know? Don't let your ego get in the way. And if you're talented, you're gonna you're gonna rise really quickly. It's just it's impossible not but, to. But learn. I mean, to her point, learn. Learn the craft, not just the craft that you want to do, but learn what everyone's doing. I think that's really yeah. important because it's you know this is not this is not a business that is one person and it's not just a director's movie. It's you know there's a hundred people standing there wanting to help you, and it's knowing what they can do and how they can help and how it all works together. Um, it's really critical. But also, you know, this is this that old. Thing I think Woody Allen said of just showing up, 99% of showing up. You know, you're not getting anywhere sitting in your apartment by yourself with your script. Don't be afraid to send it out. Don't be afraid for it to, to get bad comments back. Go rewrite. You have to put yourself out there. You have to you have to understand that it's not going to be easy and that it's going to be emotional. And you just that's that's what we've all done. That's part of it. Got to be willing. People don't send their scripts out. Is what I've noticed. They're too scared. I think that's fantastic advice. Um, I wish you all the luck with the film when it goes on to home release. Um, I hope that we get a sequel. I hope we see more of Richard Dreyfus on screen. And I, uh, I hope you have a fantastic day doing press today. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Mark. We really appreciate it. So there it is. 
There's my interview with Bill Holderman and Erin Sims. And if any of you out there are thinking of getting into the industry, I hope you've enjoyed this episode because I think it's a great insight on how to make a name for yourself and hopefully give you that kind of drive and passion to want to go further. And hopefully you could make yourself one of those people in the industry that are going out there, making a name for yourself. And I strongly believe that Bill Holderman will be a director we talk about in many years. And it'll be one of those things where people are like, you actually got him on your episode when he's probably doing like a Star Wars film or he's doing some big Marvel release. I genuinely believe he's going to go on to huge, huge things. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. As always, I will be back in two weeks. Now, before I just finish this episode, what I do want to say is that my Patreon account is up. It's doing really well, but it needs more support. I'm going out there and doing interviews. I'm traveling the country. I'm going to cons. I'm going to people's houses and conducting more and more episodes for you all out there. But I can't do this on my own and I need your support. So if you go onto the Mark and Me website, my Patreon site is up there. You can subscribe and you, there is some bonuses and there's lots of different rewards. And you can, I think, sign up for as little as sort of 70p a month up to about £15. And for that, you get rewarded. There's lots of Funkos up for grabs. There's t-shirts there's different merch that i'm putting out there badges mugs and i'll make sure that you get your money's worth and you'll be getting the podcast every other week and that's my commitment to you also if you like the podcast please go on markandme.com because on there's my twitter my facebook my instagram and my email i love feedback i read every single piece that i get and i reply personally to everything i ever receive so please keep that coming and you know the score by now i'm not going to tell you who's on the next episode but it will only be just under a couple of weeks away So in the meantime, stay safe, thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you all in a couple of weeks' time. She wore faded jeans and soft black leather She had eyes so blue they looked like weather When she needed me I wasn't around That's the way it goes It'll all work out There were times apart There were times together I was pledged to her through When it mattered most I let her down That's the way it goes It'll all work out It'll all work out Eventually Better off with him
Goes away, but it all works out. 